Hey, Orioles fans, welcome to another episode of Yard Work on MassInSports.com with Orioles beat writer Steve Molesky. I am Brian Eller. Steve, what is going on, man? How was your holiday? Hey, Brian, everything's been good. Yep, a lot of baseball, but that's uh, that's what we have going this time of year, so that's expected. That's right. You got to love it. Always a good thing. Now, um, it's been a few weeks since we recorded, and uh, you know maybe this podcast is the the key to the Orioles' good luck because uh, boy, they uh, since our last episode they have not been playing the best baseball out there. So um, just to kind of get people up to speed, um, four and fourteen record over the last eighteen games, and. Um, I guess we'll just kind of start out with the big picture view. I think we'll get into more specifics about where some of the problem areas are, where, you know, individuals who might be struggling. Um, but I think that when you take a look at, you know, what's been faltering, the pitching probably gets a lot of the attention. I think just because it's been a topic of need for, you know, uh, you know, the last couple of years in terms of needing to upgrade in the pitching. But um, as you talked about this morning in your blog, Steve, I think the hitting is just as much to blame here in terms of uh, really kind of a struggling team over the last few weeks. I mean, it is because uh, there are nights the Orioles expect their, their hitting to um, make up for a short start or a bad start or you know, the Orioles are a team that can score some runs and hit some home runs. They expect to occasionally have an 8-6 win or have to score six or eight runs to win, and they haven't been doing it. I think it's now seven or eight games consecutively as we tape this without 10 or more hits, single-digit hits, the longest stretch of the year. And, you know, they've been shut out a couple times. They've lost a couple 2 nothing games in the last week or two. And so uh, it's not the issue kind of is there isn't one issue. They could just say we plug this hole and everything's fine because, uh, you know, uh, two of the last three games, the starter didn't even clear three innings around the Dylan Bundy outing. So it's all kind of going south right now. And I, and I guess it kind of has to for you to go four and 14. You, you got to do a lot wrong. And unfortunately for the Orioles right now, they are. Yeah. And I think you talked about the offense. I looking at just some numbers. um, we know we know this is a power team. We know they're going to hit a lot of home runs, and right now they're actually seventh in the American League in home runs. So, but again, it's I would still say even as we uh, enter June, uh, by the time people listen to this, that it's you know still on the earlier part of the season, and then that that number uh, could level out there. But um, you mentioned the the sort of string of games where they haven't been in double digits for hits. They um, seem to be their thirteenth in the American League in walks. Uh, and eleventh and strikeouts, so I don't know whether that's just, is that just a um, you know kind of everyone's out of sync at the same time. Does 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 one guy being out of sync kind of breathe throughout the lineup there? Just as you know, one guy who's hot might you know do the same thing. You know, I, I you hope one guy could carry it, and there are times when one guy can. When Chris Davis hits five homers in five games, or Manny would get on a real hot streak. There's there's certain individuals who could carry you for a while. But I think what you hope, Brian, is every night you're batting nine guys. We know that. And most nights on most teams, you don't have nine guys going well. But you hope maybe you have four or five. Um, and those guys kind of ride the ups and downs and ride a hot streak. And then maybe on a night one or two of those aren't going well, someone who isn't picks it up. And you get production, you know, from half your lineup or more. And you can get some runs going. And then sometimes you have to do things that – that are unconventional, and for the Orioles, unconventional would mean small ball and advancing runners and hitting against the shift and drawing walks. And you, you, we do see some of that in a player like Scope. His walk rate is up, but we've seen Adam Jones probably draw more walks than normal. And as that happens, we're seeing Manny hit 210. That's not normal. 
And Chris Davis, who strikes out a lot, is striking out even more than he ever has. And so that's that's the your worst strikeout rate for him of his career. So, um, again, there isn't one or two things. It just uh, the thing about baseball that's tough is you can't call timeout and go to the bench and regroup with the coach. You know, the game's coming at you too fast. And if it, it kind of feels like right now, Brian, the Orioles would like a three-day Ocean City break. Let's go to OC. Let's get a cocktail. Let's relax. Let's let this pass, and we'll come back Tuesday and we'll start winning. But they can't do that because the game is scheduled just about every day. So that's the tough thing. It snowballs. You know, it's like Chris Tillman said of his outing the, uh, the other night. It snowballed on him. It's snowballing on the Orioles. So they've got to stop it somehow. I wish I had the answer. They wish they had too. But something will happen to stop it. It might be something unconventional. It might be J.J. Hardy hitting a grand slam we don't expect or Manny getting hot, which we do expect. So something's got to change this pretty fast. Yeah, and we've seen in the past when the the offense has kind of gone into a little bit of slump. Bucks kind of te- you know tweeted with the lineup a little bit. I remember Adam Jones, you know, was thrust into the leadoff role last year for for a good portion of the season. And actually, did fairly well. So that's certainly not out of the realm of uh, possibility with with Buck. You never know what he's thinking there. Um, I certainly hate to bring up anybody in particular, uh, but. You mentioned Chris Davis, who's really struggling again. We know. We know. I don't think people should be surprised at the fact that he he um, strikes out as much as he does. That's just kind of what he's uh, been known for as a player. With that power comes uh, some high strikeouts. There, obviously, that's not what he would like to have happen. Um, but I've seen a lot of chatter, and I'm sure you have too, Steve, of the fact that he, the way he's striking out this year seems to be a little bit different. Just that that bat resting on the shoulder and just kind of getting frozen there at the plate and. I know he's Davis himself has mentioned a few times how you know by the time he you know goes to react it's just a, a, a he's just a hair off there and um, you know that's kind of weighing on him a little bit now obviously you know these guys are major league athletes hitting a baseball is certainly no easy feat by any stretch but it does seem like he's he's kind of a bit tentative there when it comes to uh, you know um, swinging strikeouts versus uh, getting Cade looking. Well, he has said, and it's pretty obvious if you watch, he's not recognizing pitches well, and by that he means. You know, he might be seeing fastball when it's a slider. He might be seeing slider when it's a fastball. And he's in, he's in between and in betwixt and in between. He's swinging at 95, but it's 91. Um, he's out in front expecting 87, and it's 94, and he's late on the ball. And he's just not seeing it well, and it's pretty clear. And so one theory is he needs to get his eyes checked, but I don't buy that theory because the team does that. I mean, that's obviously eyes are important to a ball player. And they check that. So I can't imagine there's a shortcoming there that they've overlooked. Um, and so um, I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't played the game at that level to know how you better recognize pitches at the major league level when you have .4 seconds or whatever to react. And, you know, that's why Patters chase pitches, Brian, in every game every night. Fans say, why would he swing at that pitch outside? Well, when he started swinging at it, it wasn't outside. But pitchers are so good with disguising their pitches and making the late movement of the ball that that's what they get you to do. That's what they worked all their life to get you to do. And you wish hitters didn't chase pitches, but pitchers are trained to do do that. Um, you know, most times, Brian, a home run in the major leagues is a poorly located pitch. Oftentimes, a strikeout in the major leagues is a well-located pitch. And the hitters who you know, overachieve on both ends probably are some of the best ones, you know, Mike Trout, Miguel Cabrera, that group. And so uh, I'm not sure why, how Chris can get better recognition of pitches now, but he 
has identified that as something that he does have to do. Yeah, and hopefully that's just a matter of, you know, getting out there, maybe taking some extra batting practice, just more repetition, you know, and the kid the more pitches you see, uh, you know, maybe something will kind of click there and hopefully start start seeing those pitches again. Maybe, and you know, it came to mind to me this morning that that old Mike Flanagan saying that have seemed to help uh, Wade Miley try easier. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, like Steve Pierce was guilty of this. He would he would never stop hitting in the cage. He would hurt his hands and wrists because he just was in there working and working and working and working, and it was to to his detriment sometimes. And maybe the Oriole hitters, it's not from lack of effort or work. Or let's go look at an extra half hour of video. Now let's stay in the cage ten extra minutes. Um, and and that you appreciate that work ethic and look there, look how hard they're trying to get out of it. But some sometimes maybe let, let's skip the cage today. You know, let's just let's play cards. Uh, let's give your let's give your brain a half hour re- refresher here. And, I'm, and maybe they've done that too uh, and tried everything. But sometimes you know you're trying too hard and you're putting too much pressure and. With everybody in Baltimore focusing on this, it doesn't make it easier, but it's what we've got in front of us with the team right now. Right, and and like you said, you you, you never know what the it's always more frustrating when you when you don't know what the answer is or what the what the solution is there. So we'll we'll see how that lineup goes. One one bright spot I'd like to kind of just take a minute. I know it's it's a little dated now. Happened on on back on the twenty second of May, but um, Adam Jones um, hit now the holds the record for most home runs at Oriole Park and Camden Yards and I think this is is such a special guy I mean not not that not the biggest milestone but when you talk about a guy who's really just captured um the Baltimore spirit and uh you know he's he's definitely a fan favorite and it just it was just really happy and nice to see him get that record and I I think we certainly got to have him in the conversation for one of the greatest Oriole outfielders and and center fielders uh, in franchise history. Yep, he's, he's certainly worked his way into that. And I think he'd be the first to tell you the final piece to resume is to get the world championship that Frank and Brooks and some others got who have statues out there. Um, and that's not a requirement, but, you know, that's a pretty important part of any player's resume. And the player player can't do it on his own, obviously, but um, I think all these guys, that's what they're pushing for, which is one of the reasons that, the fans are so frustrated right now because they saw how well the team started and they got excited and they thought maybe, maybe this is the year. Maybe, you know, some things look different here, 22 and 10. And then uh, it turned, but Adam has been a great Oriole. He's been a leader. He's done great things in the community. All the brouhaha craziness earlier this year in Boston, he handled it so beautifully. And, you know, um, when they had the riots in Baltimore, he handled that beautifully. I mean, he, he he just handles himself well, and he cares. He cares a hell of a lot. Um, and, you know, I have a very unique relationship with him because um, he'll give me grief daily sometimes, and other times we have some of the most amazing conversations about things that may have nothing to do with baseball just because I think he's a charming guy, he's an articulate guy, he's an intelligent guy, and one day he may rip me to shreds, but he does it out of love, and he likes me, and I like him. And so I've probably got a soft spot for him for for so many reasons. But I do think Baltimore um, has really come to appreciate what he's meant to the team and the town.
Yeah, I've gotten to interact with him over the years at the Web Studio Masson just because he does a lot of live chats, with the, which the fans are always uh, eager to tune into. And he, he definitely seems like, you know, he wears his emotions on his sleeves, but he's he's got that that um, that maturity uh, along with it. And he he's definitely seems like the type of guy who, as long as he's talking to you, whether whether he's, you know, chewing you out for something or, or, or uh, you know, joking around with you, um, that that's definitely a good sign of, of, you know, people that he holds in high respect, you know. Well, I hope so, and I, I certainly hold him that way. And, um, you know, a lot of guys I feel that way about and, you know, just been around him a long time. And I can remember interviewing a young Adam Jones and asking him, do you want to be a, the leader of this team? And rather than give me a political answer, he said, yes, I do. And then he went out and he did it. And he didn't do it by wanting it or just saying it. He did it by running the ball out hard and playing every day and playing hurt and bringing the lunch mail, pail mentality to the team that Buck likes, and so we play every day, we grind every day, we put yesterday behind us thing, and he embodies that, and so you need guys like Adam Jones at a time when it's going rough, and hopefully um, the little thing, nagging things he's dealing with, he'll get back in the lineup soon. Yeah, I think so. Now, he's, he's dealing with the ankle injury. We're not sure if he will be in, um, he's sort of questionable for to Wednesday's lineup at the series finale against the Yankees, which obviously as we're recording, we're not sure, but by the time people listen, will have happened. So hopefully uh, he can avoid a trip to the disabled list. We'll kind of see uh, uh, where that goes for that. Um, yeah, and I think he will. Um, as of yesterday, the, the conversation was the wet field kept him at a Tuesday's game. He was in the lineup, and they were fully intending him to play. And then I think with ankle and hip soreness, Buck was like, you know what, it's misting. It might rain during the game. It's just not a smart thing to do. And Buck said after the game that was his call, not Jones. Jones was ready to go, wanted to play. And Buck decided, no, let's wait another day. So unless something's they're not telling us or something crops up that we don't know about, I would think there's a good chance he, he plays Wednesday. That's good, 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 good news for real fans for sure. So, um, Steve, I kind of wanted to ask your opinion. I think a lot of times, um, in addition to frustration that fans have with specific players, and you, you obviously you've seen the the variety of comments from the most respectful to the absolute disrespectful. Um, I think a lot of times some fans are worried that this team's window is closing, if you will, that old catchphrase. And I mean. I think in an era of free agency and when you have farm systems and guys that are always trying, always improving, that's the one thing I really like about baseball is you, you got the guys at the major league level, but you you, you kind of sometimes forget about these these different farm organizations that they're always improving every day. So you kind of feel like these uh, your your franchise as a whole is improving. You know, even if your your major league guys are going through a, a, a you know a tough spot there. Um, where do you see this whole window, or how much stock do you put into that? It can is it a window that can very easily be reopened in a few years, given a, a series of moves or, or drafts, things like that. What, what do you kind of put into that? Well, I mean, clearly people have circled the end of 2018 because that's when Manny's contract is up, Britain is up, Jones is up, Tillman is up at the end of this year, and I'll I'll add to that, Buck and Dan are up. Their contracts are up after 2018. Not not only the clubhouse, the front office, the dugout. This 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 date is uh, it's the elephant in the room because it's out there and it's hovering and fans do know about it and they discuss it a lot on my blog. Should they sell? You know, fans already are discouraged by 4-14 four and 14 and want them to kind of blow it up, but I, I just think it's way too early to think of that way. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be June 1 here. We're, we're, you know, we're six weeks from two weeks short of the trade deadline. I think that's when you really look at your team 
and the Orioles are at that time, six weeks from now, Brian, they're going to have to say, can we do something this year or not? And if we're coming up short and it's not going to happen, then maybe they do have to make hard decisions. And there, maybe there is a sell-off of major players, and that would be an incredible story in Baltimore where they've chosen not to do things like that. But this year they might have to face that. But but that's six weeks of baseball starting today are going to tell us that, not 4-14. Four and 14. There's no decisions that you should make right now. You make emotional decisions when it's going bad. And so let more play out. Um, and see, and if Chris Tillman doesn't come around, and Kevin Gosman continues to struggle, and Manny's hitting 240 instead of 210, but not good enough, and Trumbo's not hitting enough home runs, and some of the things that have gone wrong continue, maybe Britain has issues coming back. Who knows? Or, or Brian, maybe all those questions are answered better, and all of a sudden the Orioles go, you know, 16 and 10 or 16 and 8, and they're two games out. Then why would you sell off when you have the players they have? So. It's going to be an interesting six weeks, and that's, to me, that's really about two weeks out of the deadline. I think that's when you assess, and I think that's what the Orioles will do because why should they assess now when they're going to have six more weeks of data and games to look at? All right, and one thing we know for sure, six weeks is a long time. It's a lifetime when it comes to a baseball season. Um, so as you said, it could be a totally different picture, or uh, they could be ready to, to kind of change things up there. So we'll, we'll, we'll certainly keep an eye on that. But, yeah, I agree with you. Way too early to uh, for, you know, blowing up the team and, and, and get rid of things. So um, I think it's when you talk about the pitching struggles as well – I kind of noticed one thing that just kind of frustrates me a little bit as a as you know a fan too is um, it seems like when one starter seems to kind of be fixing things out and kind of having you know stocks kind of going up another pitcher kind of suffers a setback a little bit and it just kind of it never seems to be uh, you know totally in sync we've seen the the starter ERA um, which I know you you wrote about this morning on on the blog Steve is is you know really towards the bottom of the American League and I feel like Kevin Gosman's kind of actually uh, having a much better May than he did April, and he's uh, I think he's he was one and two with a seven and a half ERA in April. He's one and two in May, but his ERA is down to four and a half, and he's more than doubled his strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, so it's kind of nice to see him kind of settling in, and hopefully, hopefully that's uh, will continue that trend. But at the same time, uh, we we talked about how Wade Miley kind of doing the bend don't break um, in the early part of the season, and I think now uh, he's he's kind of struggling a little bit, and just that's what kind of. You know, has me a little worried, or, or I guess frustrated, if you will. It's just kind of the, you know, you kind of see one guy go up, and you kind of see another guy go down, and the, it just kind of seems to to struggle. Yeah, and it, you know, the rotation was questioned by national analysts before the year, and the national analysts look right today as we speak, uh, but we'll see how that turns out. Um, it's got to get better than a 4.76 rotation ERA, which is next to last in baseball, ahead of only Cleveland, which is kind of shocking. Cleveland is 15th in that, but they are. And so the Cubs have a losing record, and they do as we speak today. So, I mean, they're just surprises in baseball. And, yeah, it's a surprise to me. The Orioles went 4-14. Four and 14. It just is. So uh, that has to get better. And things like pitches per inning and too many foul balls and lack of a put-away pitch at key spots and – you know, if that is a continuing uh, situation that they cannot correct, resolve, improve, then there might be bigger issues that they have to look at. And, and, and there were people questioning the rotation before the year, and they got off to a pretty good start without Chris Tillman. 
And some of that was the patching the holes with guys like Asher and Yanoa and even Aquino stepped in with a good start one time. So maybe there's uh, some answers out there, and, and right now they have to find them. Yeah, I think the the one nice thing is, my gosh, Dylan Bundy is just he, he's just he's been terrific this year. I don't think there's any other word to describe it. Yep, terrific indeed. And um, what's fun for him, and I think uh, so many strengths he has, but four pitches most nights uh, he can call on. And it came up this this the this concept of reading bats, which I think Bundy is great at, and the catchers are too. In other words, he can see during the game player X is not adjusting well to my slider, so he's going to see sliders. Player Y uh, really missed my curveball, so he's going to see a curveball. Player Z uh, was on top of my fastball, so he's going to see my fastball. Bundy's very good at these in-game reading the bats adjustments and things you cannot put a sabermetric stat on. You can, there just isn't. Brian Kenny would hate, you know, reading bats. It's not a concept he wants to talk about, but it's a very real in-game uh, thing in baseball, and Bundy's good at it, and he's just smart. He's savvy, and he'll never take credit because he's a humble kid too, which is great. another great thing about him. But this kid, beyond talent, has a lot of smarts, and that's the best pitchers probably have both. And um, he's using it well. I mean, you'll see from game to game, look at the pitches breakdown. One game, he might throw 60% fastball. The next, he might throw 40. And so a team cannot look at the scouting report and go, we're going to get 60% fastballs tonight because his record says you might not. But you might. <laughs> you know, So it's, uh, you know, they can't eliminate any pitches. They can't go up there sitting on something. And if they're struggling with certain parts of his repertoire they're going to see it more often because he's smart enough to stick with it now i know you you've obviously talked to bundy and watched him kind of you know through his entire major league career there and is he the type of guy who might uh step into that leadership role at least when it comes to starting rotation and and um is he, is he a vocal leader or is he more of a leader by example would you say yeah he's not a vocal leader that i know of and i think he uh, he would help anyone if asked. He would do whatever the team needs him to do. But I think Bundy, guys like Bundy and Mancini, they will defer to the veterans. And it's not because they don't have it in them to lead. If you put Bundy on a double-A team right now, he'd probably be the leader, you know. But in a major league clubhouse with guys who played 10 years, he he kind of knows, you know, I kind of, you know, if I do more listening than talking, it'll probably serve me well. And uh, so, yeah, he doesn't seem – he's got definite leadership qualities, but I don't think he wants – he's the guy to jump right out and speak up in a team meeting or say something to Chris Tillman or Kevin Gosman. He's going to say, I, I'm taking care of Dylan Bundy. That's what I need to do. And so that's smart, and that's good. And if the time comes when uh, they need him to do something different, he'd be ready for it. He just would. He's, he's that kind of kid. You mentioned Tillman. I know his obviously he's been struggling since coming back from the injury there. I think after uh, his last start on on Tuesday, he said he was fine physically. Um, but I think a, a lot of people noticed some some dip in velocity, uh, especially on the fastball. But he said it wasn't a problem. Um, kind of at an impasse there in terms of you know he saying no, I'm, it's not a physical issue. Uh, but is it just a matter of still kind of working back there? What's what's your read on on some of Tillman's struggles? Yeah, it could be. I mean, the velocity's been pretty steady this year. So it's not like it's down from two weeks ago. It's 90, 91, 89. And 
in past in last year I think he was ninety one and a half, ninety two. Average velocity this year is probably ninety point three or something like that. So it's down a little bit, but it isn't down game to game in twenty seventeen. It's but it is down year to year, twenty sixteen to seventeen. And so that is concerning and he had shoulder soreness as we know. And he had PRP and he had cortisone. So this, there's an issue that was there that surfaced even in the winter when he wasn't pitching in games, obviously. So reason to be concerned? Yep, there is. And reason to keep watching it? Yep, there is. And so Chris Tillman can win without throwing 94 and 95. He has, and he's done it. But if the command isn't there, I mean, sometimes, Brian, if you're having some physical issue, and I've talked to pitchers, um, Dave Johnson is a good friend of mine, and he he from Masson and, and uh, 105.7 The Fan, and he people know how smart Dave is. And I said to him once, Dave, I'll bet you there are times when you pitched when you weren't even sure if you were hurt. You had a little something, but is that normal? Should I just pitch? Is it concerning? Should I tell the trainer? Should I not? I don't want them to consider me soft. I want them to think I want the ball. And but yet my arm is a little off, but it might be fine in two. And Dave said, "You're exactly right. You 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 don't quite know." And so Chris Tillman maybe feels like everything's pretty normal, and maybe he's not 100% sure. And maybe arm strength will be built up in a month from now. Things will be different. So. It's going to be watched closely, I would think, here these next few starts. Certainly, um, and I guess as we as we move forward, uh, I think one of the big things we'll talk about maybe uh, in our next episode is the uh, the draft, which is coming up. I think that draft draft is slated for um, June twelfth. Um, now, again, baseball drafts are a little different than you know, say the NBA or NFL because. A lot of times, the guys that are drafted, um, we're not going to see for a few years. You know, they're obviously going to start out into a farm system there. Um, I guess, Steve, obviously, you're you're pretty much the expert when it comes to the Orioles minor league. Um, any any hints at uh, kind of what the Orioles might be looking for with their slot in the draft, or is there is it too still too early to uh, to kind of figure that out? Well, I mean, a couple things I can answer with that. Usually, Brian, they're not going to broadcast that if there was something they're specifically focusing on for us to know a but b usually they don't now last year was a little bit of an exception they went heavy pitching and heavy pitching early um it was just how it unfolded the strengths of the draft and what they felt they needed to do Uh, but i've heard that this year is not quite the pitching focus and maybe there's some more position player focus we'll see but Gary Rasich told me recently, and it's the same answer he gives every year because it's true, that they're going to rank the players on their draft board, and they're almost always going to pick the, the highest ranked when it's their turn. And their first pick this year is number 21. They have four of the top 98, 21, 60, 74, 98. So um, I, do, I, do, I would be surprised if they get through those four picks and they haven't taken a college hitter in there somewhere and maybe a shortstop, someone in the middle infield, uh, somewhere in those first three or four picks, and maybe a couple of them. But it's just my guess, my hunch. It's not that I've been told that or that's the focus. Um, but, um, you know, I think they're real excited about this draft. They've got four of the top 100, and they've had that, uh, I believe, twice in the last five years. They've had four of the top 100, so chance to do some real good for the organization. 
Certainly. So we'll, we'll keep posted on that and probably get into a little more detail um, as we get closer to draft time there. And um, actually, as we've been chatting today, an email came across uh, sort of updating on the All-Star game voting results so far. Um, right now, in terms of the Orioles, Manny is leading the third baseman in the American Leagues. Um, so that that's good news. And Wellington Castillo, second for the catchers. He's trailing only Salvador Perez, who definitely seems to be a fan favorite there. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. I, I kind of hope Castillo uh, gets the nod there just because he's he's having a, a great season even with that that little injury bug in, in the middle there um other other leader scope is fifth among second baseman and jones is um seventh among outfielders obviously uh trap mike trout's leading that right now but uh we'll see how that changes with him headed to the disabled list there for the first time in his career so um we'll keep it on the all-stars but i i think it's it's safe to say uh we should see at least a couple of orioles uh represented which is always good to see I would think so. I mean, it's pretty good on the fans that um, they recognize Castillo having a good year, and he's way up there. And Manny's a big name, and obviously, from performance alone, he hasn't gotten where he's gotten this year. But people recognize, you know, the, the elite talent that he is, obviously. And with Scope, I think that's kind of good that he's actually fifth. I mean, some people might say he could be higher, but that's a loaded position in the American League with some big names who are really good. And I think uh, he's inching his way up. Uh, the latter uh, there. And, you know, last year, even if with a pretty good year, if you rank him against other second basemen in the league, they outdid him because there's so many good good second basemen in the American League. So scoping fifth to me is, is a good thing. I think it's uh, showing that some people around the country are recognizing he's a pretty good young player. Absolutely. And second baseman, as you said, is probably the deepest position uh, in the American League. Starlin Castro from the Yankees leads that category uh, at the moment. He's having a no argument there. He's having a tremendous year. So, um, so Steve, I guess as we look forward, the Orioles will wrap up their uh, series with the Yankees this evening. Obviously, by the time fans listen it, they'll be on to the series, um, uh, four-game series, hosting the Red Sox. Always fun there. I don't think there's any drama between those two teams. So, um, And then the, the Pirates actually come down for uh, a pair of games uh, early next week so we'll uh we'll keep an eye on that and see if the Orioles can uh rebound after a a not so hot uh month of May there so you have anything else on the radar Steve nope man that's just it keep trudging forward and be interesting to track the draft here in a couple weeks and uh can't believe it's June already but the season is flying by I know it always seems to do that. So, fans, be sure to check us out at MassinSports.com. Steve Molesky gets you up to date on all the Orioles happenings. Uh, and be sure to subscribe to Yardwork on SoundCloud and iTunes. Until then, we'll see you.